It's a done deal. An unanimous vote. It's officially official, however you want to put it. Big Ten football is officially back in business. Welcome back to Husker Sports Weekly, everybody. You're soon to be number one source for all things Husker Sports. My name is Connor Clark, and this is probably the most exciting episode we've ever recorded. I mean, there's nothing quite like this. And today we're going to be talking about the Big Ten's return to football, obviously, and to help me do that today is a fellow Nebraska freshman and also a student with the Co-JMC, Grant Hansen. Thank you for being here. You know, for the first time, somehow. For the I don't first know. time. We did a promo. But we, we uh, I don't know if that counts. That, well, that, that was for a class. This well, is for real. Yeah, this is this is this is the big leagues, <laughs> as I wish I could say. But yeah, Nebraska football, Big Ten football, is officially back as of this morning. We were we are recording this on Wednesday, September sixteenth, which has probably been the best day of twenty twenty so far. Uh, I don't know if you feel otherwise, but didn't take much. <laughs> it's 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 definitely up there. Um, so yeah, Big Ten football is back. Um, we saw last night all the red lights on at the stadium. Everybody kind of thought that was a sign of what was to come, and. Here I am waking up at 9.30 on a school day to wake up to that awesome, brilliant, exciting, perfect news uh, that Nebraska is going to be playing football this year. A little bit of a delay, um, but we'll jump right into it. So kind of going through a little bit of a timeline here. August 11th, Big Ten cancels or postpones, whichever you would like to use. They postpone the fall season for all all fall sports across the Big Ten Conference. And then in that period between August 12th and September 14th, Nebraska and Ohio State were really the main schools trying to keep Nebraska um, and the rest of the Big Ten to play football. Um, Scott Frost and Ryan Day were really the big advocates for the rest of the Big Ten. And then yesterday, Nebraska President Ted Carter was caught on the hot mic saying, hey, uh, did you hear we're announcing uh, Nebraska and Big Ten football tonight? Um, Which, uh, let's be honest... That was on purpose. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I I would say the viral moment of him checking his phone right afterwards was uh, <laughs> was pretty cool. I, I thought that was pretty funny, uh, all in all. But that was really interesting moment. Really interesting moment. Uh, and I think it was we'll get into probably later on. You know, didn't happen last night, but I think it was planned to. Everything in the promos that we've seen um, really seemed to to point towards that. Mainly the part where they said tonight that we're announcing we're that tonight. So, uh, so the Big Ten couldn't quite do it right after uh, that moment from President Carter. But not, you know, what's the difference? Five hours, uh, whatever. Yeah. So that happened yesterday, and then today the Big Ten officially announced Big Ten football starting the weekend of October twenty third, which is going to be that Friday. The twenty fourth will be that main Saturday. Um, so. That's when Big Ten football will kick off here in 2020. It'll be a nine-game schedule of a bye week, uh, according to Big Ten Network this morning. Um, There's going to be a special champions week for every team, uh, two through seven in each division that isn't going to appear in the Big Ten championship game. But it will happen on December 19th, um, which will be the same day that the Big Ten championship will be held, and they're going to try and avoid repeat matchups. From the regular season, and as I just said, the Big Ten Championship game will be scheduled for December 19th, as it was before, um, and the Big Ten will be eligible for the college football playoff this year as the rankings come out, the final rankings come out December 20th. 
and that was an interesting thing too. I think I was reading uh, somewhere today. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and credit Danny Cannell uh, with this one, but they uh, that they should push back the uh, announcement of the, those rankings one week to to give the Big Ten a little bit of breathing room in case something goes awry in terms of testing between now. Uh, and, and the 20th and that, I think that would be a pretty interesting idea to think about as well yeah I mean that wouldn't be a terrible idea um, obviously what can go wrong will go wrong but I think the conference is well prepared for it um, I'm sure the rest of the conferences across the country are well prepared for it as well we're two weeks in technically to college football so far no major issues I know there's that thing going on with LSU um, but we'll we'll see how that plays out um, so other kind of tidbits and uh, pieces of info so there's going to be daily testing for players and staff as you would imagine um, no public sale of tickets for Big Ten games this year which is pretty unfortunate but um, family members will be accommodated for players um, on a campus to campus basis so however Nebraska wants to handle that they will do it how they feel is necessary um, and there is a month between now and kickoff so that no fans thing to the public could be subject to changes I know you have mentioned a couple of times yeah I mean it's just everything's in flux uh obviously if you had told me a month ago that that we would be doing this today uh I, I don't know if I would have believed you or maybe I would have because things have just been so so random almost um and I and I think there's plenty of time between now and who knows what kind of developments uh may, may happen over the next month uh for better or for worse obviously the daily testing is again as we'll probably get into is the later we get down uh into the podcast uh that was a big part of the big Ten's decision and the big part uh, of them reversing their course those being able to get tests within 15 minutes um huge really huge oh yeah uh and uh you know as something that we know it's it would be great to have here on campus i, I hope at some point that's there for the general student body here on campus because uh, we've we've been waylaid at least once this year for like a day and a half waiting for test results, and so there's a huge difference, especially when it comes to to getting a kickoff, you know, an eleven o'clock kickoff or testing before a game, uh, between between a day and a half and fifteen minutes. Uh, so that was a big part of it. Uh, you know, I think a couple of days ago, whether it was a vaccine or a uh, an actual therapeutic, Pittsburgh uh, University isolated uh, something that they at least had thought was very successful against uh, fighting against COVID and neutralizing it in the form of an antibody. So who knows what can happen over the next month that that could affect that. There's a lot of variables at play. Obviously, that's what it is for now, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if that's changed even here in the metro area or uh, sorry, in Omaha, not, uh, not the Lincoln metro area, but Omaha has started to loosen up some of its restrictions on fan attendance, allowing some seniors in the high school football games, uh, there's a big difference, but that stadium here, at least for Nebraska, seats 90,000, and you can spread people apart, six feet apart there, hopefully pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 90,000, it's one of the biggest stadiums in the country, uh, fourth biggest stadium in the Big Ten. It, again, it could be subject to change. Who knows what the conference will do and what they will allow the schools within the conference to do. Um, but, I mean, Big Ten football is back. I, I really knew it was back when I was walking to class this morning. And I'm walking down uh, Vine Street, which leads right up to Memorial Stadium, for those of you who are not from Lincoln or do not reside at the university. And I'm walking past this frat house, and I, I got these headphones on, and I'm listening to my music while walking to class at around 11.15 in the morning. And all of a sudden, I'm like, 
wait a minute, is that serious I hear? <laughs> and I'm just kind of walking, and this frat house is blasting serious as I'm walking to class. And I, I, I honestly thought it was a stadium at first because I was just like, it was right there. I could hear it through my noise-canceling headphones, in air quotes. So, I mean, that was that was kind of a pretty cool uh, thing to kind of it really it's really kind of the the culture and everything that everybody's talked about oh there's no place like Nebraska it's really kind of starting to come into place now and I'm really starting to realize how much people care about the football program and how meaningful it is not just not economically not oh well it is meaningful and economically but besides that besides the business besides the publicity it's just kind of what glues the community together here, and I it's I think it's extremely important that that decision was made, and I think it's obviously an awesome decision that was made. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, I think you know as much as as it's been unfortunate, you know that we didn't really as freshmen here at the university didn't really get that initial like normal Husker football experience. Uh, I think what we've seen in terms of witnessing history almost has a different value uh, in and of itself uh, as being able to say, yeah, this was, we were here when they lit up the stadium red the night before and it was kind of like the bat signal. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, <laughs> that was, that was pretty awesome. So we have, we had the blessing of getting to see some of the, so many of these other opportunities. Uh, and, and, you know, as we look at what's going to happen here in the fall, of course, the university already had, even before the season was canceled and whatnot, uh, and, and said they weren't going to do tailgating this year, and uh, I, I think we all know that's I think not happening. I think the better way of putting it might have been we're not going to allow tailgating on campus <laughs> because <laughs> I, yes, that's a very fair way to put it. Wherever the borderline is, wherever the borderline is, you ten, bet, ten you, feet away from that border, there's going to be tailgating. You bet your bottom tailgates. dollar, every but whatever parking lot is closest to the line for the <laughs> university, it is going to be packed. Uh, that first week is is, is going to be really interesting uh, in terms of what people do, where they go. Uh, again, maybe something happens with the next you know thirty days that totally changes that. Uh, but it's it's created a lot of really interesting storylines here, um, and this weird kind of feeling for college football in general, where you're just kind of like gearing up. Almost, it, it's it's just maybe there probably isn't going to be much of a bowl season. But it's just kind of it's been almost moved a month deeper, and it's kind of been a slow burn as we're getting closer uh, to the SEC starting at the end of the month, uh, and you know the pack or sorry the Big Twelve closing out its its conference non-con opening schedule uh, for the year. So it's just different, and that's one thing I think I've said a lot, and it's kind of it, it's interesting to be able to witness it. Absolutely, and you said it. the The red scoreboards last night were kind of like the bat symbol. Um, and then all all of today, it said um, Nebraska football were back on all the jumbotrons. So that was also a cool thing to see while walking to class today and just around campus. So a question: I have a couple of questions for you, Mister Hanson. Um, the first one I have written down here in front of me. So was this decision by the Big Ten? Were they peer pressured in any way by seeing a couple weeks of college football fly by in this past weekend of the NFL? Was that a big influence do you think on this decision yeah you know I think this whole really this whole the last whole two months have been about peer pressure uh oddly enough 
And I think, you know, what, what at the beginning of this thing, when the Big Ten dropped uh, and the Pac-12 did as well, uh, almost on the same day, and you you had the Mac go down too. That was kind of like the first warning sign. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think, you know, in that situation, those conferences were trying to peer pressure the other conferences into going along with them and saying, you know, if we're going to lose out on this money, we want to lose out on this money on, a, on, a, on an even playing field. And uh, they were unsuccessful uh, in really applying that peer pressure fully. And uh, so there's a lot of different things at play, you know, whether it was um, myocarditis, I think I'm probably butchering that. Uh, But, you know, now you kind of see the reverse side of it. And I think peer pressure definitely did come into play here on this side. But it was almost like, and this is going to be a really bad analogy, (laughs) but it's like, it's like cheating on a test. And if there's a whole class of people that are going to cheat on a project, they're usually going to wait for the first few people to cheat, and if they get away with it, you you better believe the whole class is cheating. I, you know, again, morally not the greatest analogy, but it's kind of the same thing here where the Big Ten, I think, uh, while they were certainly, I think, one of the biggest factors was that quick testing and the almost immediate testing, uh, but it was kind of a thing where, okay, yeah, yeah, this can be done. Like, this can be done whether it's the Big 12 uh, or whether it's you know the Sun Belt, it's possible to do it. In some cases, it's possible to do it with fans, uh, and so I think it was that the peer pressure applied by by these conferences being able to okay, we can get this done. And, and I think you know maybe the NFL came into play as well. The NFL is kind of almost this other body with the resources that they have at their fingertips. Uh, but again, like I said, this whole thing's really been a story of peer pressure. Absolutely, and. I think I know the NFL is a little bit different, as you said. It's kind of like a different, kind of a different animal. But the zero tests, the zero positive tests, uh, was a big thing coming into this weekend for Week One of the NFL. Uh, just people questioning how that was going to be successful. And the through the first two weeks of college football, I mean, I know not many Power Five programs played in that really first week, um, but this past weekend, I mean. We really haven't heard that many issues. Um, we saw some great games on top of that, so it would it, it felt like a normal weekend almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and this past weekend, just seeing teams like Kansas State, Iowa State, those Big Twelve teams play. Um, so, I mean, so far, uh, the obviously the ride's not going to be smooth, but very very few bumps here in the early going for college football, um, and so. This is something that I kind of want to get into for a little bit here. Uh, With the Big Ten now putting themselves into the college football season this year, now they're playing, and putting themselves into an eligibility spot for the college football playoff, is that college football playoff going to be A, more legit, and B, do you get rid of that asterisk that would be there without the Big Ten? You know, I I think it was going to be pretty legit anyway. Um, You know, let's be honest. For the most part, Ohio State, and then that's it. You know, for the Big Ten, Penn, Penn State's been there in the past. Minnesota's kind of been there last year. You know, they're gonna have a lot of pressure to repeat. You know, and create the same results. Uh, you know, maybe drifting here a little bit too far into the Big Ten storylines. Um, but I think it definitely makes a difference. I mean, having Ohio State as a possible opponent, in fact, a very likely opponent. Uh, for anyone, whether it's LSU, Alabama, 
uh, Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler. Um, I think, I think that obviously makes adds to it. To me, I, I really subscribe to the same kind of ideology. Uh, I believe it was Kirk Herbstreit did that. I don't care. (laughs) If I win this national title, the ring will be on my finger and I will be looking for the asterisk on the ring while I'm showing it to you and rubbing it in your face. It, it, to me, it doesn't matter. Uh, for the most part, a national title is a national title. And, um, you know, to like, if you look back to even three or four years ago when you, I'm sorry, UCF and, and coach Frost claimed the 12 and 0 undefeated national title of their own, there was no asterisk, you know, put there for those teams. For whoever won the title, it didn't matter to them. Uh, and so, even if a claim like that is made, uh, which I highly doubt, t- to me, it's the same. Like it- it's still college football. It's still you're for the most part. Even if the Big Ten hadn't played, you would be competing against the same teams, less Ohio State, uh, and even. If the Pac-12, and uh, that's you know next on the docket for us here, is will the Pac-12 hop in with the Big Ten here in the coming days? Uh, even if the Pac-12, 12, they they like not to play. To me, it still doesn't matter. <laughs> like you, you're getting, you're probably going to be getting the same teams in there anyways that that we've seen year in and year out. And yeah, you don't have the opportunity to get there, but in a, in a time like this, I th- I think you probably still think about the asterisk anyway. Um, but as a player, I, I don't think it would matter to me at all. I yo, I totally get from the player's perspective about it not mattering. And obviously, if you win the national title, you win the national title. There's no ignoring that. Um, with the Big Ten hopping in this year, I feel like the season and the college football playoff does get a little more legit. Um, obviously, you say Ohio State will probably be in that Big Ten spot. But the college football playoff without that Big Ten spot, I feel like it's a big difference because odds are you have two SEC teams in there or somehow two Big 12 teams get in there or somehow two ACC teams get in there. But I think having the Big Ten in there to A, balance it, and B, I think the competition will be a little better because what Ohio State is doing, like, my God, they're going to be unbelievable year in and year out. So... I think that adds a lot of legitimacy to the playoff, more more than there would have been. Um, not saying that it wouldn't have been legit, but I feel like it's it's a lot more solid now with um, the Big Ten in there. And I think you do get rid of, because I know people are talking about, oh, two of the Power Five conferences aren't playing. You have to put an asterisk next to that. I say with the Big Ten in there, you, get, you can get rid of it. Pac-12... I mean, just from recent results, and I'm not trying to hate on the Pac-12 in any shape or form, but the, I mean, you saw Oregon last year. They were a favorite in the Pac-12 to make it, and they basically played themselves out of that spot in week one by losing to Auburn. So I don't think a Pac-12 team would have found themselves into the playoff. So them not playing or them potentially not playing, who knows what they're going to do here in the next coming weeks. I think it is as legit as it's going to get right now. Um, and I personally do not see the Pac-12 playing. I did say this about the Big Ten, so I this is the first thing I've ever been skeptical about in my life, and it's turning out good, so maybe I should start doing that more. But um, I don't think the Pac-12 will play because mainly because of Los Angeles and just how 
how much of a hot spot that is. And I, I have a couple of friends who are supposed to go out there to go to school and they're not there. They're back in Illinois. And I, that, I think it's that one UCLA, USC, just all the California teams, Stanford. I feel like that's, what's going to keep them from playing. I don't know if you feel any different about that, but that's kind of how I see the PAC 12 as of right now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be really hard. I, I think, uh, and, we're going to know uh, pretty soon, I think, uh, uh, as far as what their decision is. Uh, you know, as, as we look at California, obviously, the majority of the Pac-12 schools are located there. Uh, but, you know, we have this today from Gavin Newsom. Of course, as soon as the Big 12 or Big 10 made its decision, you know, the, the Pac-12, obviously, the spotlight moves there. And it's all of a sudden really Pressure's awkward on. because the Pac-12 has, has not been in the spotlight basically for the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but Gavin Newsom, governor of California today, uh, said, there's nothing in our guidelines that prevents these games from occurring. Uh, adding that schools can resume football. There's nothing in the guidelines saying the Pac-12 cannot move forward. That is direct quote. Uh, and so, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I can't really tell if that's a full endorsement uh, or not. Uh, but but the door is there. And uh, again, the Pac-12 again earlier today, moving into that same realm, you know, with with the uh, 15 minute quick testing. And I think that's one thing that I I think really helps us move towards a, a closer sense of normalcy with with college football in that. You know, let me, and, and I believe, and I, I'm not a doctor, not a doctor here, <laughs> uh, but you know, when you when you look at, to to me from a fan's perspective, you know, game day, everybody gets tested, and let's say you know Adrian comes up positive, uh, then, and, and Wandale was out of the rager with him the night before, <laughs> you know, if Wandale gets tested. And he comes up negative. In that case, then there's no reason to me that Wandale couldn't play. And additionally, on Adrian's side, if he thought, you know, hey, look, I think that my positive test w- was a false positive, it's not that hard to just get retested right no, again. Yeah, just do it right, right there. Um, so the only limit, I guess, on that testing would be the financial side of things. Um, and if the university's already paying to get tested daily for everybody, then that's not even a big big issue. So I think that is going to be very interesting to me because to a certain excuse me, to a certain extent for the teams that have that daily testing, the idea that one person or two people or three people test positive, you know, on your team and you're like, all right, well, can't play this game, can't play for two weeks, can't practice, whatever, that's kinda off the table in that you can really easily find out who does and who does not have it, whether or not they're asymptomatic, uh, not only through the, the the quickness of the test results, but the fact that you can, hey, I can run this saliva test three times. You know, I think it's like, I'm trying to remember if it costs me like 3 or $20 or so. I, that might have been might be a different number. Again, not a doctor here. But to, just from a layman's perspective, looking in on it, that's something that I think that the uh, – the, the the quick testing changes yeah absolutely quick testing big time hopefully as you said earlier in the episode that we can try and get that for the student po- the regular student population as well because that would 
I mean, that, that would be a great tool for universities as a whole just to control, not stop because, I mean, only a cure is going to stop that or a vaccine is going to stop the spread, at least momentarily. But it, it's it's a great tool and resource for universities to just really get a grip on the spread and try and control it as much as they can. I know, I mean, some Big Ten schools are doing worse than others when it comes to case numbers. I mean, Nebraska's been relatively okay throughout the school year. I mean, obviously, numbers go up every day, but there's that's expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I mean, Wisconsin's on the verge of getting sent home. I'm, I know that. Um, Illinois, uh, they're, they're improving. Um, I've heard, um, Northwestern, I don't, I don't know if they're in person. I don't think they are in person. Um, so, and that just kind of leads me back to the big 12 thing or not the big 12 thing, the PAC 12 thing. The only really locations you have to really worry about in the big 10 are Rutgers cause they're close to New York right? and Northwestern cause they're close to Chicago. And those are two big cities. And Chicago's done a relatively good job of trying to control the spread um, of the coronavirus or COVID-19. So I'm not sure how close Piscataway, New Jersey is from New York City. I I, I can see that look in your eye that you're looking it up right now. Um, but I know it's not that far, but I don't know how much that will affect them. But, in, I mean, you got UCLA, USC right there in – LA, you got Stanford in Northern California. Just the whole state of California isn't in a great spot. Um, and I, I would have to look deeper into the numbers for other schools in the Pac-12, but I feel like there's more more of a risk with running football in the Pac-12 and the fact that a couple of schools aren't going in person. Like, at least the Big Ten, for the most part, like I like 90% of the schools have sent their students to campus to try and so far, no students have been sent home. I know that'll probably happen at some point in time, maybe. Um, at least by November twenty fifth. Yes. Yeah, so, well, that's when we're leaving. Eventually, we're gonna go. We're gonna go back. But uh, Scataway, by the way, twenty six miles from. So, from so New not York that City. far. Really um, not that far. Yeah. No, I I definitely see what you're talking about, and uh, in theory, uh, for some for some students, this may feel. Like something that could be really scummy <laughs> to do, uh, but you know, in theory, worst comes to worst. Like, if it if if it gets really bad, and here, you know, um, you know, obviously the UNL COVID dashboard. I I I'm check me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure there's a disclaimer that says it includes UNO numbers, and there's some other things. In oh, there really? Too. Yeah. Oh. Which UNO is off campus, right? So you would think those would be lower, but who knows? Uh, but you know, you, you look at that and and still to me, you've had a run in here or there. Um, but you know, it's not, it's, it could be worse. It could be worse in a lot of ways. And, but, but if it does get to the point where you're like, okay, sound the alarm, you know, (laughs) we're, we're, we're calling it, you know, you could bubble here, uh, with the athletes. Uh, if that was something that you were, if you were really, really set on, on completing an athletic season, uh, bubbling is definitely, I think something that that could be pulled off. And in fact, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of teams are virtually doing that anyway. Uh, not necessarily 
through uh, the university itself, but just through like, yeah, you, you're, you're not, you're not going to a bar. Like, like just through the coaches themselves saying, listen, we, we have the healthiest team is going to be the team that wins. uh, And, the team that's going to get the most votes because they play the most games. So, you know, I think that in itself is going to create almost unofficial bubbles on a lot of these university campuses. Right, and I think that'll help Nebraska out a lot because I know this wasn't last year, but 2018 Scott Frost's first year here, he said that we look like most one of the most undisciplined teams in the country. And I, I think that's kind of fair to say from last year. I, there was a very big, you could tell, uh, a little bit of a lack of discipline out there on the field as well. So this is going to be a big test for the student-athletes. I mean, you have to stay very self-responsible and self-disciplined to, A, stay healthy, period, like everybody else on campus, and to keep this season going. I mean, in order for you to play, you have to be smart 24-7. It's not like once you get into the practice facility, then you lock in. You have to be smart when you leave, when you get there, when you go to sleep, when you go to class, like, I don't know if they're going to maybe make all football players or athletic people switch to online at some point just to, like, really limit the risk. Um, but, I mean, you, they really have to be disciplined. And hopefully that'll carry over to the field of play because I feel like that's that's one big piece Nebraska's been missing this past couple of years the discipline on the field, costly penalties, bad special teams coverage after scoring a touchdown, not to point out the Iowa or Wisconsin game last year. Um, the discipline will go a long way, especially in this conference when you are playing a good team. It doesn't matter who they are. I don't care that Northwestern won three games last year. We beat them by a field goal. You are playing a good team every single week in this conference and I know it's only going to be nine games this year but that's a regular conference schedule and that means less room for error I mean you're not going to get oh the the two scrubs you play in non-conference right. so you could oh that's yeah it's going to be two free wins you don't get that this year and it's going to be nine games it's going to be a slugfest from start to finish I mean mm-hmm. it is going to be brutal and you're going to have to become really disciplined and you're going to have to you're going to have to be ready to play every single snap every single Saturday. Yeah, well, one thing I think that is uh, pretty interesting here, uh, even as I was walking over here as we were getting ready to record this today, uh, but I'm just so thankful that we, that we have the leadership that we have at this university from from Bill Moose down to uh, just you know to Scott Frost, of course. Uh, I, I don't think, and I told this to you, I think it was via text. I don't think we were on the – on, you know, on campus at that point. Uh, but after that press conference, uh, on the eve before the cancellation, uh, Coach Frost, pr- Coach Frost's press conference was incredible. And, and I really, I was like, I, I don't think I would want any other coach right now leading this team. Uh, and I still hold that to be true. You know, um, personally, if we had a PJ Fleck here, and somebody else at Minnesota or, or whoever, you know, uh, <laughs> other than maybe like Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh, uh, it, it's it would I I don't I don't think we would be playing. Um, and so, and one of the things that has always been really encouraging to me is, is how much Frost has as as stressed those penalties, like you've mentioned. You know, you say last couple of years, 
uh, try forever, Connor, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm new to this thing. Okay, <laughs> as long as I've been alive, uh, the ever classic third down pass, third and twenty pass interference, or the uh, holding penalty, or the sack on third down and short, it's been almost as you know synonymous with Husker football as nine and three was in, with Bo Pelini. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I'm hoping that got better last year. I don't. I don't know if it was to the point where Coach Frost wanted it. It improved a lot from from the first year. Uh, but is there going to be a third year jump? Now we're going to get to see it. It might be harder to perceive. I think uh, because in we'll probably get into this in a later episode at some point when we start talking schedule. I believe that is due to come out later this week. Uh, but it's going to be harder to perceive that jump uh, this year because you're going to be playing purely conference schedule. Uh, so you'll get the Illinois, the Indiana. You know, some of the teams that Nebraska even struggled with last year, uh, you'll get them on the schedule, but you're going to be going to Ohio State. And you're probably going to get Penn State as your crossover with that Ohio State game. And those games will not be cupcakes, even, you know, whether there's nobody in the uh, the stadiums or not. Right. And that kind of brings me to this point. I mean, going back to it's it's nine games, you don't get those two non-conference wins that you would probably normally have. But you need to beat the teams that you should beat. I mean, last year, Indiana, uh, we had a really close one with Illinois, which probably should not have happened. Purdue, big one, big one. And when you're in a game, I'm going to kind of point out the Iowa game this this past year too. When you are in a game, you cannot afford to have a special teams miscue right after a touchdown or because that just widens the gap again. Right or you have to have a solid, and I know talking to Alex about this, who's been on the show before many times. You need he stresses this so many times. You need to have a solid two minute drive down, plan it like a plan for that in place because they Scott Frost was switching between quarterbacks and all this jazz and nobody really knew what was going on and it was just chaotic, uh, only to lose by a field goal. So you need to win the games that you should win. And I know Nebraska hasn't had much success the past three, four years, so they may not be favored in those games on the line. But you, if if you see, if both of us see a Nebraska versus Indiana game, and I know Indiana's had a couple of good seasons, you expect Nebraska to win that game, right. I feel like. Or same thing with Purdue. You expect Nebraska to win that game. So... That's gonna that's gonna be a real killer if they can't win those games this year. I don't know how many of those games they will get with Illinois and Purdue being in the West, but you need to win those games to make up for, say, a probable loss against Ohio State or Penn right. State or Minnesota. Well, and then you look at you know this year, even back to that third year jump, you know, topic. Uh, as far as like the eligibility rules, things are kind of just random almost I mean not totally random it's just it's kind of almost the wild west it feels like in some to some extent because uh, you'll be getting eight games at least or I believe nine uh, counting championship uh, yeah game. I believe nine uh so at the very least four of those five games you can play your freshman if you want and uh, additionally I believe you're allowed to keep your eligibility I don't know if you're required to opt out for that uh, or not I'm not sure how that's working but uh, you know, when you look for Nebraska in this latest recruiting class, of course, Sevion Morrison is a name that comes to mind for me. Uh, in the run, we pro- I don't know how how much will we see him. Uh, what new role does Wandale take? 
uh, for this team? Is he going to be, I, I mean, I you know, with Dedrick Mills still there, probably not going to be the every down back, but is he going to be more involved in the running game or the receiving side of things this year? Um, the tight ends for, for, for Nebraska, where, where, where does that, what does that look like? You know, do they get more involved this year uh, with the new uh, offensive coordinator and Coach Lubbock? Um, when you look at Omar, or with, uh, I believe, Omar Manning, I should be good there. Uh, new freshman, you know, Xavier Betts. Uh, big guys, like just <laughs> monster guys at receiver who we could be seeing this year. Uh, so you, all these questions really for me um, – you know, come back basically from like August, uh, and uh, it's it's something that's it's pretty fun, uh, but something we're to get to see at, at, to a certain extent this fall, I think, at this point. And you know, the problem is, I think there's a chance that things don't go so well uh, in terms of the fact that we're just playing the best of the best, at least in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, and it's going to be harder for Husker fans to perceive improvement, uh, but I think it's going to be there. And especially with I, I just I feel like last both last year's recruiting class and this year's recruiting class are pretty special, and have kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Whether it's you know the linemen who are used to doing that or some of the skill position guys I just mentioned. Yeah, and I've mentioned before on this show and just conversations with other people. I'm very high on this recruiting class, the class of 24 recruiting class. And I like I like the depth of the receiver position that we have now. And I think it is going to make a life of a difference on offense. I think Martinez is going to have a much better year than he did last year. Um, just outside of the reports that, oh, he was injured the entire season. Um, I think he's going to have a lot better of a year this year, especially with that help at receiving. Um, despite the the loss of J.D. Spielman, I know that's going to hurt, but I think these freshmen will, will over time, They obviously not right away, but they will fill his shoes here at Nebraska. And even the recruiting class coming in next year is pretty good. I mean, obviously the Fedoni commitment helped, but they're ranked 22nd in – the country, which moved, I believe they moved up after the Fedoni commitment. They moved up either 16 or 18 spots in the national rankings. And I believe they're in the top six of the big 10 as well. So these recruiting classes that keep that, that have a consistent top 25 ranking, they're going to add up at some point. And when they do, it is going to be a damn good football team playing just down the road at Memorial stadium. Well, and then again, I was right on Omar Manning. I uh, just went and checked that. But 6'4", 225 for him. And 6'2", 189 for Betts. You know, to me, I expect both those guys that we'll probably see at least in four of the five games, which is almost, 50, you know, just under 50% of your season, they're going to see significant reps, I think. Oh, absolutely. And um, if not for all nine games. And I think, you know, one of the things that ever so uh, – and despise swing passes uh <laughs> for Nebraska you know it's it's you haven't really had those big blocking receivers in the last few years that have been able to handle those spots those big bodies and now you have them uh and so it'll be interesting to see how that looks getting that on the field uh you know for the Huskers this year and again like I was saying one of the things that I've talked about a lot obviously not on this show uh but the impact of 
linemen and the linemen that Coach Frost has recruited over the last, you know, two years, uh, including some of the, the weapons he had coming in, even from his first recruiting class. Uh, it's something that really can't be overlooked. Um, you, you've seen guys, I mean, they are all over 6'4", and they are huge. 6'4", you know, 300 pounds, I mean, just big guys. I believe, at the most, there are two that were under 6'4". You know, that's pretty awesome. And that's pretty great. And uh, I think that's going to have a pretty big impact. And, and you need those linemen. I mean, th- that's one of the most important parts of you know of playing in the Big Ten it, it is how big the lines are, both on the offensive and defensive side. Uh, and so I think part of that explosion that we keep waiting for that may or may not happen for the Huskers uh, this year is really tied to that first, I think, Tied to tied to the line first and 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 the uh, and the skill position players second. Yeah, and I mean, as as you keep saying, that that size is going to make a life of a difference for the receiving core and the offense as well, just as a whole. So, real quick, let's run through last Saturday. At least the ranked teams that were in action on Saturday: Clemson at Wake Forest. That was a game day game. And number one, Clemson being the 35 and a half point favorites that were that they were 137 to 13 over Wake Forest. They start out as number one in the country still and one and zero. Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler's debut, or really real debut. I know I've seen a little bit of playing time. Uh, they ran all over Missouri State. His stat line was something ridiculous: 14 for 17, 290 yards with four touchdowns. As they cruise to a forty-eight to nothing win, number ten Notre Dame hosted Duke. They beat them twenty-seven to thirteen in their ACC debut, their first ever game in a conference. Um, we'll see if that has any influence on next year, if they will stay in a conference mm-hmm. or not. Uh, Texas came out of the gate at number fourteen in the AP poll, ran all over UTEP fifty-nine to three. Sam Ellinger, twenty-five of thirty-three passing, four hundred and twenty-six yards and five touchdowns. So pretty good debut for 2020 for him. 18 North Carolina, not really seeing them too many times in the top 25. They ran all over Syracuse as well, 31 to six. And uh, Sam Howell went 25 or 34 passing, 295 yards and one touchdown. UNC played a very good second half, scoring 21 in the fourth quarter. And the game that had a lot of people surprised, but a game that I know both of us enjoyed watching very wow, much. It was pretty fun. Number 23, Iowa State, goes down to the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. I love that. love that name. And let me tell you, that Louisiana defense, that it's pretty good. I mean, it was it pretty was no joke. It was real fun to watch, and they've earned themselves a spot at uh, 19 in this week's poll. Yeah, and they won 11 games last year, so they're not they're not any pushover team. I mean, nope. Louisiana came to play. They had a pretty good second half. They were down 14 to 10 at half, um, but then they held Iowa State scoreless in the second half, and they scored 21 points of their own in the second half to beat Iowa State by three scores, technically, two touchdowns and a field goal. And then UCF and Florida International got postponed. So <laughs> a little bit of a depressing way to – and that, um, but yeah, I mean, so a couple of good games. Uh, most of the other good games were in unranked territory. We saw Kansas State lose to um, Arkansas State. That was a good game that came down to the final play. 
Uh, the, the final score is 35 to 31 Arkansas State. Um, and that receiver, Jonathan Adams Jr., had eight receptions for 98 yards and three touchdowns. So impressive debut. Gus Johnson was all over him, you know. Yeah. On on Fox as as he always picks his favorite. Uh, UTSA beat Texas State 51 to 48 in overtime. Texas State has had a couple of close games. They lost to SMU in Week One. And Georgia Tech at Florida State was also a pretty good one. Georgia Tech won that one 16 to 13. Florida State yet to find their rhythm. They have not been living up to expectations the past four or so years. They've been kind of a disappointment down there in Tallahassee. And that that was a team that was consistently in the top ten. So it'll be interesting to see what else happens down there in Tallahassee as well as they're trying to fix some things up. Yeah, well, they got a number. Uh, Georgia Tech is uh, number 14 UCF, 230 on Saturday. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, put them on upset watch. I I, I think uh, that Georgia Tech game could be one of the better ones in the afternoon. Of course, uh, number seventeen Miami, number eighteen Louisville or Louisville. Louisville. <clears throat> Louisville stuck <laughs> on my Nebraska high schools. Uh, but that game at six thirty, obviously, uh, the big the big Kahuna for this week. And what one last close game that was over the weekend? Texas Tech. Barely escaped Houston Baptist, thirty-five to thirty-three. So that's a uh, big Big Twelve. Big Twelve had a tough week. Yeah. So did the Pac-12, and so did the Big Ten, <laughs> and so did the SEC. But um, I mean, games coming up this week, Week Three, technically of the college football season. We will go through the ranked matchups real quick. Tulsa at number 11, Oklahoma State. Austin P, who just got murdered 55 to nothing against Pittsburgh, is at number 13, Cincinnati. Thank God we don't have to play them this year. <laughs> uh, number 19, Louisiana at Georgia State. Syracuse at number 25, Pittsburgh. South Florida travels to number 7, Notre Dame. Charlotte at number 12, North Carolina. As you said, 14, UCF at Georgia Tech. 23, Appalachia State at Marshall, I love seeing Appy State in the top 25. Clemson gets to play the Citadel at home, so we all know how that one's going to go. Fantastic. Uh, number 17, Miami at number 18, Louisville. And uh, a couple of postponements. Virginia was supposed to play number 20, Virginia Tech on the road. And number 21, BYU was supposed to play number 22, Army on the road. And what a game was that, that was supposed to happen this Friday, Houston at number 16, Memphis has also been postponed. But for the most part, some pretty good ranked matchups. Uh, we'll see how this week goes. Should not disappoint in the slightest. Um, and I'm sure there's a couple of good unranked matchups as well. Just kind of looking through here. Boston College and Duke, that'll be a decent game. Two pretty evenly matched teams going at it there. Troy and Middle Tennessee, does that appeal to you at all? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, who knows? There's no red zone for college football, though, so it's going to be hard to tell. I think I'll be probably glued to UCF Georgia Tech at 2.30, as previously mentioned. Yes. Uh, and then Miami and Louisville. L- Louisville. Louisville. L- it's not Louisville. It is definitely not. Uh, Louisville. <laughs> I, I say Louisville. Is that wrong? I don't know. I'd have to ask somebody from Kentucky. I just say Louisville, but, I, I mean, I hope that's not wrong. I'm used to watching them back in the Big East basketball days. Um, but, yeah, that pretty much covers everything we wanted to talk about today. The Big Ten football is back as of today, this morning, and we are looking forward to a fun nine-game regular season for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Scott Frost, year three, 
We'll see how that goes with the 20th ranked recruiting class making their debut this year. So thanks for coming on to the show, Grant, for the first time, one of many. SEC back next week, don't forget. Yes, SEC is back as well, but we'll see October 23rd and 24th. Mark your calendars. Nebraska football starts then. So we'll see you next week after the Big Ten releases the schedule, and we will have all the coverage you can get for that as well. And don't forget to search us on anchor.fm and Spotify. Just search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar. And follow us on Twitter at Husker Weekly for weekly updates on sports info and news about the university and the Big Ten as well. So thank you all so much for tuning in to episode number 11 of Husker Sports Weekly. And we will see you next week to reveal the Husker football schedule. Go Big Red.